Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Okay, so you guys know that I hardly ever do a monologue. However, I wanted to come on here and talk for a while about cults. Also, my chicken says he will be joining in. And if you are one of these insecure people who can't deal with the sounds of nature or traffic or crickets, then perhaps you should turn this podcast off and go listen to Joe Rogan. Please and thank you. But for those of you who are not crazy, let's get started. Now, when I first entered the professional personal development world almost a decade ago, I hardly had any idea what a cult really looked like. And in fact, when the average person thinks of a cult, they're flooded with the mental imagery of hippies selling flowers in the rain on the roadside, men in robes dancing and chanting, or hundreds of people laying motionless in the muddy grounds of Jonestown, Guyana. What I discovered, however, is that it is a little less Harry fucking Krishna and more holy fucking shit. Everything is a cult. For example, Donald Trump is the new messiah and is coming to save America and the world. Or you're a sinner and Jesus died for your sins and only the blood of Christ can save you now. Or sign up for my newsletter to find out how you can achieve abundance and prosperity. So from the harmful political ideologies imposed on us globally, regardless of our country, to the pyramid schemes and meditation retreats, or seminars urging us to unlock the spiritual badass within, or some other steaming pile of horseshit, everything has become cult-like. Now, hardly anyone knows who they are at the core without some affiliation to a group or without charismatic leadership in some form. Many cult members don't even know they're a part of a cult, especially thanks to new age spirituality and the personal development gurus of the world. The internet has become a dangerous place because it has given a platform for many cults to have a voice through memes, which are just mind viruses, simplifying a process that used to require years of study within a cult setting. The personal development and the success and motivation industry also runs the gamut by using these memes. The chances are that you know someone who is a radical believer in the seven spiritual laws of abundance or someone who is enthralled by the new age way of thinking is large. You may even know people into witchcraft, candle magic and crystal clutching. The cult of astrology is another big one. You know what I'm talking about. The sun and the moon dictate my choices of poor behavior. And as long as there is a full moon, that means I have permission to be as big of an asshole as I want because it gives me a bad mood. Well, cults no longer need to recruit people physically as long as they can hijack your mind. The power of screens is not to be underestimated, and if you have not read my article on why TV is not your friend, then... You need to go check that out. 
Now don't get me wrong, I am for anyone wanting to believe what they want to. The problem with most people, however, is that they do not know why they believe what they believe. They do not know the reasons why they choose lifestyles that they do. They have no clue of how to access their own subconscious mind, and far from that, how to protect their subconscious mind from attacks via the outside world. After all, this world is based on a Luciferian cult, and these are the people who lead the world behind the scenes. They dictate to us from birth to death who we ought to be according to their standards, and frankly, the entire human experience is more about attaining freedom from mental persecution than anything else. For those who are overtaken by a cult mentality, or have been a part of a physical cult, it is their affiliation with the group that gives them a subconscious feeling of safety and acceptance and peace even though the belief systems are distorted versions of reality which are at their core not peaceful. These individuals crave the feeling of excitement that they get from believing that they are right and that their way is the best way. The single-mindedness of the belief structure gives them a high and an overly inflated sense of power and importance in the world which tells you that by contrast that when they were not a part of a cult they perhaps felt low in esteem and disempowered in some way. Empowerment cannot come without having as much of the information as possible, and only when you do have all the information are you able to exercise your freedom of choice, but not before that. Apart from the world being based on the cult of global disempowerment, we have a series of cults in a pyramid fashion which occur in hierarchy. Behind every cult, there are what we call charismatic leaders. Far beyond the tactics and control of Mao or the Unification Church, cults have evolved to use extreme psychological techniques to reduce people's willpower and gain control over their thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. This is what makes cults destructive as they are stripping people of their basic right to choose for themselves what they want to believe and unfortunately, most people will want to believe something if it appears to make sense at a surface level. Strangely enough, you can confuse people into making sense of things because cognitive dissonance often relies on the part of the brain that needs to make things make sense. There is a part of our brain that will force a square peg into a round hole, so to speak. This means that deception, hypnotic commands or hypnosis, neurolinguistics, delusions, and imitative learning, to name a few mind control techniques, are very effective. People tend to scoff at the concept of being led by a cult, often proclaiming, I can think for myself, and I'm not programmed, when in truth, everything we do is based on deep subconscious programs, including our heartbeat and breathing. Cults have been hidden in plain sight throughout history, and in many instances, not so hidden at all. The majority of the religions which exist all began as cults, and in actuality, still are, and many of them carry very destructive aspects to them, which plenty of well-intentioned people would argue against that point, because they too are programmed to believe in the validity of these organizations. 
It needs to be highlighted that any person who has been properly indoctrinated or programmed with any belief will consciously fight to retain those beliefs and they will resist any method of deprogramming that comes at them, using violence even. They are taught that it is better to kill than to abandon the group. Mind control is another concept that people tend to shun because it is too real and too close to the truth for them to logically or emotionally process even though they know subconsciously something is wrong with the world. Mind control has grown into a whole area of science and for centuries the art of mind control has been perfected. New advancements are made yearly. We all know that there are tons of intelligence agencies and higher level learning institutions which conduct research on how to perfect this science daily and yet some will refuse to accept that as a real thing. Having said that, MKUltra is a real thing and so are all the other variations of MK which have been conducted on an unsuspecting global population since the late 1940s. The concepts of neurolinguistic programming eventually bled into the mainstream, particularly the techniques used to induce hypnotic trance, and can often be seen in plain sight on your daily news broadcasts as an example. If you ever turn on Clown News Network, CNN, you will find that the operatives, not newsreaders, not journalists, are constantly using NLP techniques to either anchor or trigger hypnotic commands. This point about constantly negative news against CNN leads me to my next point, the main types of cults. The main types of cults are religious cults, political cults, psychotherapy cults, education cults, commercial cults, all subsections of the umbrella cult, the global cult of disempowerment. The cult that is easiest to spot, unless you share the belief systems of course, would be the religious cults. Some are based on Bible prophecy, some on Eastern philosophy, some on the occult, and some are just made up dribble by various leaders of ill repute and low status. Cults usually have claims of spiritual knowledge, a divine wisdom that is accessible through affiliation with them, or even just adopting their beliefs. You will notice that the cult leaders and those in high positions of authority within the charismatic group all have luxurious lifestyles. Interestingly enough, in political cults, we have them from various angles. The most powerful political cult can be seen via a perceived division of sides, left or right, blue or red, democratic or republican, and so on. This kind of cult is always in the news, always trying to convince you to support them because they are operating in your best interest and for the highest development of society, while they rob you blind and oppress you at every turn. On the flip side, we have extremist cults or those of a fringe nature, which usually make the news and are portrayed as the antagonists to society and the political establishment, like the people of the Aryan nation, Antifa, Al-Qaeda, and so on. Psychotherapy cults use mind control techniques to trick their subjects into having some kind of peak experience, insight, enlightenment, and they make promises to provide techniques for better mental health, peace within, abundance and prosperity, and my personal favorite joke, manifesting destiny.
Yes, folks, I'm talking about the personal development and the new age industry there. It's just a branch of the traditional psychology industry. These charismatic groups often have workshops, conferences, seminars for hundreds, even thousands of dollars, and promise to provide you with all of the above mentioned things. And then they use mind control techniques to actively recruit members with the promise of also becoming a leader, coach, mentor, and practitioner of certain techniques, but not without being manipulated into signing up for more expensive and advanced courses, which usually cost thousands of dollars. Once a subject has been wrapped into the scam, they are convinced to bring in their friends, family, and co-workers, and anyone who does not agree with them must be cut off. These cults are often able to convince people to quit their jobs and pursue their dream, leaving people without a pot to piss in, and many subjects will become depressed, suffer from anxiety, become homeless, have nervous breakdowns, find themselves in debt, destroy their friendships and marriages, and even commit suicide. These cults don't even need to have the formal gatherings anymore as they can hypnotically command you into behaving in ways which screw up your whole life simply by posting memes on social media. You will find many of them on there using clickbait to get you to sign up for their webinars, or to download a free PDF or a blueprint with the steps you need to manifest your dream life and more abundance and prosperity. And unfortunately, none of this actually happens. The only thing that happens is people become so programmed by these skilled con artists that they actually believe that a new event in their life is a sign or synchronicity from the universe, and they are firmly on their way to living a lavish lifestyle, traveling the world, working from their laptop. Commercial cults are after the same thing. Their god and control mechanism is money. They manipulate people into working for them for very little commission with the promise of amassing millions of dollars in wealth through passive income streams. These are what we call pyramid schemes or MLM, multi-level marketing organizations. These groups try to reel you in and once you have signed up, it gets very narcissistic very fast. After you sign up, they destroy your esteem by telling you that the reason it isn't working is because something is wrong with you. It's never that they're blatantly ripping you off. Other forms of this type of cult make you sell magazines, household products, supplements, and they promise you training, which will lead to a luxurious and exciting lifestyle of travel and lots of money. Think Amway or Herbalife, and I bet you can come up with a hundred more names. You can already tell that there are a few reasons why a person would end up in a cult, either on purpose or through coercion. The thing that I want everyone to understand here is that gullible people are not the targets, because we all have a propensity to assume that because someone has been trapped by a cult or a cultish mentality, that they are dumb or gullible or can't think for themselves. Mind control does not work that way. A mind-controlled person can look and act just like you and still be influenced easily by a charismatic group or charismatic narcissistic individual. The people that do this are in fact looking for intelligent, successful, driven and talented individuals to exploit for their ends.
This works just like the beginning phases of a narcissistic relationship, where all you see is joy and positivity and many cult members are expert salespersons. In order to keep people in a cult mindset, they are also trained to fake positivity, love, happiness, and to suppress any negativity that they experience internally or externally. Often when people are being recruited in the physical sense, they are investigated and categorized by personality type. If a person is emotionally led, that is the approach that the recruiter will play to. If a person is an intellectual and rational thinker, the recruiters will play to those faculties. It is all about meeting a person where they are at in order to sell to them new ideas very easily and providing them with anything which they are currently lacking within themselves. Cults always claim to have the only solution to the problems of the world. People's innate sense of God or spiritual connection is also exploited to no end and many people will end up recruiting themselves simply because they feel as though it is a sign or synchronicity or that they have gained some type of insight and that somehow this is God or the universe in action. They will often believe that God is speaking to them through this new leader or group member doing the recruiting. Cults always cast a wide net because they are looking to catch as many people as possible from diverse backgrounds. Now why does this work in the modern era? Cults have a lot of resources and a lot of manpower. Many of them will even hire PR firms to help sell their image in a positive fashion, which makes for better recruiting power. This also works because most people are not aware of how to spot the signs of a cult and it is important to note that the average person does not understand mind control, how it works, what it looks like, when it happens, and why it is effective. The average person is completely oblivious and in fact wrongly assumes a position of invulnerability to a cult. For many, it is too much for them to ponder on the fact that anyone can take control of their minds. We are literally born into a cult of global disempowerment, which regulates and rules our thinking and behaving. How can we see the picture when we are inside of the frame? Apart from this, humans have a belief in their own rationality incorrectly thinking that they are naturally in control of everything they do and that they can take responsibility when in fact they really cannot do this as easily as is perceived. It is a deep sense of needing to be in control of ourselves. We are always operating out of what I love to call a self-justification index. As soon as something comes up that we want to avoid, we will play out a subconscious response which has a long list of reasons why we cannot do that thing. Often we say that we are not interested in controlling anyone or anything as a means of controlling. Ironic as fuck, isn't it? Because that too becomes a noose around your neck and serves as a self-justification for allowing or not making changes or not acknowledging something. We see that a lot in the attitudes towards the acceptance of LGBT ideologies and now look where that has gotten us. They're literally trying to fuck our kids. To further instill our sense of invulnerability, we will judge others as being stupid, being wrong, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or as being bad because we want to position ourselves in a position of superiority. 
in terms of our thinking and relationship to life, and we pretend that we can handle anything when in fact we are often not aware of the things that we do not know and are not prepared for. We love to blame victims of circumstances and say that we don't feel sorry for them and if we found ourselves in said position we would expect help and understanding. Humans are complex and contradictory and will do anything to place distance between themselves and a person who is experiencing suffering because it is too psychologically taxing. A common assumption as well is that victims of a cult were walking around looking to be led, saved or controlled, told what to do with their lives. We all want to believe that we are better than the millions of people who have been subjected to cult control. And yet, I have to stress, still, we are born into a cult, and it is our responsibility to free ourselves from the groupthink and collective behaviors in order to be fully empowered and free souls. Fear is a killer. The most common fears include airplanes, dogs, public speaking, elevators, driving under bridges or through tunnels, snakes, spiders, being alone, death, and being isolated from the herd. Fear robs people of freedom to choose and is one of the most powerful ways a person remains in a cult. We are trained to be afraid of what would happen if we ever left the herd, the global cult of disempowerment. The same is true for affiliation to any other kind of cult or cult mentality. We fear what would happen if we abandon ship. Group members are programmed subconsciously with negative images, which make it impossible for a cult member to even be able to conceive of being able to survive outside of the group. The subconscious mind does not know the difference between reality and what is imagined, and so the cult leaders can implant a myriad of future negative scenarios that are likely to occur if anyone would ever go against the group. Subconsciously, these people are programmed covertly to believe that any number of the phobias mentioned previously will occur in their lives if they ever leave the group, and in some instances, very far-fetched outcomes like the end of the world via nuclear holocaust are programmed into these people. It is important here to recognize that most fears are irrational, and that much of what we fear will happen never actually does. The way that subconscious programming works is that we can be implanted with ideas even without our knowledge or consent, and we can have a program running and never become aware of it. The kind of conditioning that goes into a cult mindset is rampant through society and imposed upon us from birth until death and is the ultimate killer of sovereignty, joy, and the ability to create a fulfilling life. Many people cannot fathom the possibility of being someone without their cult beliefs, and they are unable to see any other ways of growing emotionally, spiritually, or intellectually without their beliefs. Slavery is as simple as not being able to live without something, some place, some person, some possession, or some idea. This leaves a question. What is the mind and where is it? Okay, maybe that was two questions. Many people refer to the mind as an aspect of the brain's activity. However, 
I would like to present an alternate perspective. The subconscious is not something that we can see or touch, and so if the majority of our thinking comes from the programs in the subconscious, then we have to focus on the subconscious as being what I like to refer to as the mind of God. This is because when we are in deep meditation or a state of hypnosis, we are tapping into the subconscious faculty from which we can absorb, release, delete, or access information from present, past, and future times. I mean, we can go all the way back to the time of creation if we are with a skilled enough guide. In the same way, we can use our subconscious to go all the way forward. It is my view after years of study that the subconscious exists within and all around us. We receive information that is stored in our vessels for later use, programs. A large part of what the mind is can be described as a virtual reality screen which shows us the streams of consciousness or information that we are able to access given our current state of awareness. This current state of awareness can be described as our emotional set point plus our level of intelligence combined to create a perceptual position which then goes on to define our entire experience of life. I always say, to know the truth you must know consciousness, what it is, how it works, and why it works the way that it does, and does the things that it does. Any cult-like behavior is a part of the war on consciousness, a war against freedom. So what makes us so vulnerable to influence? The mind is filtering and deleting information rapidly every second so that we can focus on the things that keep us happy, healthy, and safe. This may be hard to hear, however the majority of our lives we spend in reality distortions which are just fragments of experiences pieced together which dictate how we interpret reality in this present moment. As the years pass us by and we develop into older beings, our sense of self becomes dictated to by the events outside of us, which mold our internal reality. During this process, our beliefs are impacted greatly by our emotional ties to what we think, which thereby forms even more perspectives about the world that we live in and that in turn dictates our choices of behavior. We have a smaller degree of conscious control than most of us are willing to admit and everything is truly dictated by the subconscious. The conscious mind has such a narrow focus and everything that makes us all that we are is determined by the contents of the subconscious and the instructions given directly to the subconscious and it is the primary ruler of our lives and all the information we hold about it works automatically to keep us going. The subconscious even makes things real for us. Whenever we see, hear, or know something, it is the subconscious doing the work. If you take a moment to imagine yourself sitting on a beach somewhere, or maybe even a countryside, your subconscious will work to make that imagined experience seem very real. When we have a memory from childhood, for example, laughing and playing with our favorite toy, it is the subconscious which brings this forth and allows us to re-experience that event. This is positive use of the subconscious. This is what it was designed for. In a dark twist, however, this same faculty is used against us. 
And many cults or mind controllers will use the same tactics. They will instruct you to be childlike because as kids, we were all hopelessly dependent on authority figures, our parents and caregivers, teachers, etc. When we are deprived of basic needs like love, physical touch, food, water, what do you think happens? We subconsciously activate a survival mode. So if a person is placed in isolation or a sensory deprivation chamber, it only takes a matter of hours before hallucinations occur, which then increases the level of suggestibility. The same thing happens when a person is overloaded with sensory information, especially when none of it is particularly coherent. Think of all the colors and scrolling things on a news station, or think of being in a crowd of people running away from a threat. When a person is faced with such a crisis of the mind, in order to protect itself, it goes numb, so to speak, and all ability to critically think goes out the window which induces deep states of suggestibility. The mind depends on different frames of reference, and when you change those reference points, then the information going into the mind will be interpreted differently. When a person does not have their own strong frames of reference and are not skilled in looking for the correct frames, then they can be handed any frames that are given to them by a group. Our decision-making is usually informed by the things that we consider to be true. The powers that shouldn't be, and all of the mini-cults that loom above us pulling strings in our daily lives are full of skilled con men, and many of those who are claiming to be doing things for the greater good are really criminals. While there are certain members who are the main controllers of these groups, the majority of a cult's members are victims who truly believe that what they are doing is beneficial. People love that because every single one of us is vulnerable to mind control due to our deep subconscious desire to be safe, happy, loved, and to have more wisdom, insight, money, status, and deep meaning. All of the things which make us wonderful and powerful are the things that cult leaders are looking to exploit and nobody really wants to be a part of a cult. They are subconsciously recruited through subtle manipulation and hardly ever suspect what is coming next. The majority of people who are recruited are vulnerable due to some level of stress and they want a solution to it. Whether that solution is avoiding dealing with a tough emotion by listening to music or using alcohol, or it is needing caffeine to wake up because they really can't see themselves as powerful enough to have all the energy they need to live effectively, or whether it is becoming a part of a new age thought system because a person feels as though they don't have enough resources mentally, spiritually, or physically, stress plays an important factor in falling for the belief systems imposed upon us by groups. Harry fucking Krishna. Let's talk about how to avoid cult recruitment. And since some cults only need a social media presence to make an impact on the masses, let's get into how to spot them. These days, plenty of cults do not need you to be a card-carrying member, so to speak. They only need you to agree with what they say because they know that people are suckers for spreading their beliefs on just about everything. Most people who join physical charismatic groups like the Moonies, for example, will be approached by a stranger who tries to befriend them at the supermarket, or on a street corner somewhere, or maybe they are attending a lecture, conference, or go to the movies, and are not suspecting that any of it could be linked to a cult. Many times we are even unaware that our friends are involved in cult activity. A lot of the time, the recruitment is done through establishing rapport. Friends are effective for conversion to cult beliefs. However, 
strangers often of the opposite sex will approach you on the street or at events and attempt to befriend you. Sometimes they may claim to just want your opinion on something in order to engage you in conversation, which then leads to indoctrination later on. It isn't done all at once. The idea is to lead you slowly on a path of trust and get you to think you have found a friend or group of friends that you find very interesting and unique. Most of us want connection and are unable to find the kind of excitement that we need with our main circle, so it is easy to get duped. And if I haven't said this before, or if I have, I will say it again. The majority of people converted to cult beliefs are approached when they are vulnerable due to stressful life circumstances. This is key to understanding how this works, because when a person is in crisis, which is simply a transition phase, they are already questioning their identity deep down and they have no clue how to relate to the world without a label or a set of beliefs to guide them in a direction that feels like joy and peace. These people are easy prey. The ones who are getting out of a bad relationship, new in town, starting a new job, experiencing financial ups and downs, dealing with loss of a loved one. In times of stress, the ability to defend yourself is very weak, and if a person is not aware of how to discern between rubbish and the reality of truth, then they will be sucked into a dangerous game. Again, recruitment does not just happen overnight, it is a process. Let's use the cult of psychotherapy for, as an example. Let's say a person is looking to get a leg up at work, or they are financially unstable and are looking to increase their skill set to make more money. These are the ones who are easy to prey on with the new aging narrative of more abundance and prosperity. The success and personal development and NLP or life coaching racketeers love these people because they are weak. Money and fear are their gods. The victims of this cult will be mindlessly scrolling through Instagram one day and see an ad or a post to unleash the inner badass or some other brand of upscale fuckery and fall for it hook, line, and sinker. This is often how broke and bored housewives fall for multi-level marketing scams or become coaches because they saw a post promising abundance, prosperity, while living a life they would love to live and living their dream with purpose and passion and making money, all while traveling to exotic locations and working from a laptop. The same thing happens in cases of high school students who somehow get involved in witchcraft or worshipping Satan. And the same is true for those who see the latest addition to Oprah's book club or that latest New York Times bestseller and their entire personality changes as a result. I once knew a guy when I was growing up whose parents were a part of a cult and they kept inviting me to a Bible study group. They called themselves the living room. And even at 15, there was no way that I was going near it, even though it sounded pretty harmless. Some people answer ads in the newspaper and are unaware that this is a cult, whether it's for a study group, a course, a religious organization, or a new job. We see stuff all the time where people, especially the elderly, are giving away their money to a church or other organization. That's a cult. You might actually know someone or have met a person who is a part of a cult. These people are living in a deep state of confusion, delusion, and abuse. It's kind of like a narcissistic relationship where everything is amazing for the first few weeks or even months, and then the dragon raises its head and blasts you with a flamethrower of abuse. After that initial honeymoon phase where everything seems hunky-dory, the feeling of being treated like a special person with unique talents and gifts goes away. 
all of the things that made a person agree to be a part of the group slowly begin to fall away. Unfortunately, the people who are a part of this will tell you that they are happy and could not imagine what their lives would be like without their cult affiliation or beliefs, and yet their lives are a living hell. They have to sacrifice the best parts of themselves as they are subjected to a regime of totalitarianism and they are mind controlled into thinking this is for their best good and they literally cannot see the pain of the lies they are living. Now I'm keeping this general because your mind can fill in the gaps to notice how this sounds a lot like daily living in the current global climate where people are indoctrinated by the cult of the media, the cult of big pharma, the cult of religion or new age spirituality and even the cult of Starbucks. It's all the same type of thing just dressed up as seemingly different formats. In this same way, we are all living under the cult of disempowerment, where we are treated like slaves and told that we must obey orders and work to sustain ourselves while giving the majority of our earnings away to said cult. Note the first part of the word earn is actually the same as urn, U-R-N, which is what we put the ashes of the dead inside of. In exchange for living like slaves, we are promised to be taken care of and that we will have a sense of meaning in our lives, except those promises never do come true until you learn the tricks and begin to establish sovereignty in mind heart and spirit. Affiliation with most cults leaves people completely dependent on the group for everything and unfortunately it appears as though there is only a small group of people who are able to break free or spot the programming of the various cults. Many are too overwhelmed by the fact that there are so many cults and they will just submit or stand there like a deer in headlights. As Erich Fromm, the social psychologist from the early 1900s said in his book Escape from Freedom, human beings are hardwired to be submissive to authority and will hardly be able to break free from control. Here is a big question. How do you know for sure that you are not under mind control? You actually don't. Most people when you ask them this will say, I don't believe in mind control. I can't be programmed. Which is exactly what a person who is under mind control is likely to say. Yet, there are some people who are able to reflect on that question and they realize that if they were under mind control, they would not be able to figure that out without help from other people. And in fact, some of them admit that they don't even really know what mind control actually is. A lot of people out there like double maskers or passionate Bible thumpers often have been trained to expect the accusation of being a programmed robot. So yelling at them that they are has no effect because their controllers do a great job of programming them in a way that calling them out actually instills their commitment to the programmer. At this point, I would like to mention two really great books that you need to read. One is called Brainwashing, The Science of Thought Control by Kathleen Taylor, and the other is Robert J. Lifton's Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. Both of these books explain the major elements that make up mind control which are as follows. Loading the language, sacred science, milieu control, planned spontaneity, mystical manipulation, doctrine over person, and dispensing of existence. 
Billions of people are exposed to mind control tactics and most of them may never even know it. A large part of the reason for this is that the cult mind control is identity based. These billions of unaware people have been systematically conditioned to believe that their identity is based on everything the cult of global disempowerment has taught them. In fact, the best definition of mind control is any psychological method of distracting and disrupting a person's identity away from the truth that they are a fragment of consciousness in a temporary vehicle for the expression of consciousness. When someone has not reached deep inside and connected with this, then they are easily ruled over. Any identity is made of thoughts, processes, beliefs, behaviors, and emotions which create definite patterns. The majority of people live by labels and identities which they get from everywhere else except their own sovereign self-regulation and self-management. Therefore, most people are living a lie created by social pressure and cult-like government agencies and the media they consume. Mind control in everyday life occurs very simply and in a way that we consider to be a natural and normal process of human maturation and development in life. We go through seven year cycles in our lives from birth to age seven and we are picking up what is happening around us as we are in a highly suggestible trance state which allows for us to learn and adapt to the ways of the world very quickly. Then from 7 to 14, we are applying all that we have learned in these first 7 years to see what works and doesn't work, and during this phase we are culturally conditioned in even more ways by the powers that shouldn't be, indoctrination camps in the form of school or religion, and TV, movies, books, and music. We are immersed in this world of unnatural behavior and forced in stages to shed our identity as pure consciousness and assimilate to the mindset and behavior of the collective. We continue from 14 to 21 completely immersed in this pattern of shedding and anything that looks like a sovereign sense of self is eventually replaced with the doctrines of the group. Even the strongest of minds can easily succumb to this form of societal programming. This is done in order to control the destiny of the individual by disrupting the natural spiritual journey. Mind control in any other cult is exactly the same. It requires a systematic and slow stripping away of a person's identity in order to create a new one which relies on group validation, and the subconscious mind loves this by default, so it is easy for any one of us to be roped into the scheme. The real takeaway from this is that mind control does not have to be overly complex as humans are easily programmable beings and mind control can be defined as anything which encourages dependency on another person, conformity to a group or a belief, and anything that is against sovereignty, autonomy, or a strong sense of individuality. A distinction has to be made between mind control and brainwashing as they're not exactly the same thing. Brainwashing was originally a term created by a journalist by the name of Edward Hunter in the 1950s, which was used to describe the way that American soldiers in the Korean War were captured and then manipulated into changing their allegiance to the flag of the USA, and they were tricked into believing that they were war criminals. Brainwashing depends on a process of coercion and often contains an element of violence in that torture, abuse, and captivity is required. 
Once a person has broken free from their captors, it is possible for them to regain their original values and sense of self. However, victims of brainwashing are usually looking for safety in a group. We have seen huge examples of this recently where people abandon their friends and family over social distancing mandates because they are convinced through coercion that a virus exists and that it has a measuring tape that can mark six feet between itself and someone it wants to infect. As ridiculous as this sounds, people act out of self-preservation as it is. So once faced with a threat that appears to be deadly, their belief systems will automatically shift around to rationalize taking drastic measures. Brainwashing is really great for getting people to comply to demands. It could be wearing masks, taking certain medications, or it could even be giving up allegiance to a government. And strangely, according to psychologist Alfred Korzybski, we abandon our sense of self early by pledging allegiance to whatever flag belongs to our respective countries, what he coins the psychology of nationalism. So we all experience brainwashing at a very early age. One of the most famous tales of brainwashing is that of Patty Hearst, who was kidnapped by the SLA, Symbionese Liberation Army, a terrorist cult. They locked Patty in a dark closet where she was starved and raped repeatedly for several weeks. This broke her identity and allowed for a new one to be implanted where she became a member of the cult and even though she had opportunities to get away from the cult, she instead agreed to participate in their shenanigans and took part in a bank robbery, which led her to being captured by the authorities and prosecuted in a court of law. Patty believed that she was safer in the group and they manipulated her into a new identity as a woman named Tania and got her thinking that the FBI was going to murder her if she escaped. If we take another look at mind control, we notice that unlike brainwashing which is coercive and often hands-on, mind control often does not need any physical abuse. The people who attempt to mind control others are often organizations, friends, and family members anyone who can establish rapport. This guarantees that defense mechanisms can be lowered due to some point of trust. This is why mind control is referred to as thought reform, because it is done with an element of hypnosis and group ideologies which create a powerful indoctrination effect. Besides brainwashing and mind control, another word that is thrown around out of context by people with very little understanding is hypnosis. Very few people truly understand what it is and whenever this word is used, our default programming shows us mental imagery of a stage hypnotist dangling a pendulum or a watch in front of a person. That does not truly describe what hypnosis is, although the pendulum or watch is used to narrow focus, which is a part of the process of inducing trance. However, it isn't that simple. Plenty of people are convinced that they cannot be hypnotized and I am about to explain why that is false. All hypnosis is self-hypnosis. The most common example I can give is that when you are driving in a car and you can't remember the route that you have just taken to get where you are, you experienced hypnosis. Driving induces the brainwave state of alpha and in fact the phenomenon of time passing quickly and not knowing how is known as auto-hypnosis. Anytime you are engaged in something and you experience a loss of time, that is also a hypnotic state called a time distortion and it is triggered by the brain transitioning out of beta and into the alpha brainwave state.
Every person spends approximately 7 hours in hypnosis every day, even more than that if they spend a lot of time consuming media. Those 7 hours are made up of 4 hours during the waking state and 3 hours at night when you are in the REM cycle of sleep. The reason why the brain transitions so easily into alpha is because it is a protection mechanism of the brain. It helps the mind process 10 trillion bits of information and that is a very stressful process on the brain itself and so it needs this transition of brainwave states to do this work smoothly. Hypnosis is really the study of altered states of consciousness, what they are, where they take you, and how they change or shape your experience of life. Any experience of hypnosis is centered around taking a person into a different state of consciousness which helps them tap into new resources via their subconscious mind and is geared towards creating some kind of change in that person's life. Now check this out. When you are in beta, your attention is focused on the external world and you are trying to make sense of the world using your five senses. However, when you are in alpha, the trance-like state, then you automatically focus your attention inwards. In other words, in alpha, you can begin to see, feel, and hear what is occurring inside of you, and this process is all done willingly because the brain is hardwired for it. I have seen plenty of critical thinkers and strong-willed individuals who have been hypnotized by dangerous ideologies. It is unreasonable to assume that you cannot be hypnotized. Now that you understand what hypnosis really is, it is easy to see how mind control can be imposed upon others very subtly and simply. In many New Age based cults or religious based cults, something healthy for us like meditation can be used to induce states of trance and create suggestibility. In doing this, they can create followers because the state of meditation is alpha and it feels quite pleasurable which ensures that followers will subconsciously accept suggestions and ideas which they will think they agree with. Non-religious cults find other ways to induce trance via groupthink, hypnotic commands, technology, and fear. These trance-like states are usually very long and extended sessions, so in other words, it is not done all at once. It is a prolonged indoctrination process. Repetition is essential to programming. When a group is experiencing a hypnotic induction, you will see their entire body language and facial expressions change. They will have a blank stare which comes over them. The rate at which their eyes blink will change, and they will even take big gulps when they swallow, which seems to be uncharacteristic and unnatural. Another important factor in the effectiveness of mind control on the general population is behavior modification. If you refer to the Solomon Ash experiments which concluded that people will doubt their own ability to critically think when they are in a group, then it is easy to see how behavior can be modified by simply choosing desired behavior and getting others to lead the charge. Stanley Milgram also did great work proving that humans will become intoxicated by the thought of authority providing instructions and they will give up responsibility for their actions to others. Milgram was able to find that over 90% of his subjects would follow orders without questioning. Startling to say the least. 
What I'm saying here is that in most instances, influencing behavior is as simple as positioning yourself as an authority on a subject and providing instructions. It does not have to be much more complicated than that. At this point, we have to mention Leon Festinger's work on cognitive dissonance. When we are talking about behavior modification in a deeper sense, it is inevitable that we will discuss this groundbreaking piece of work. If we can break down human behavior into three steps, thoughts, emotions, and consequential behavior, then we can understand the framework for behavior change, whether negative or positive. When you make changes to either one of these three things, the other two will change as a result. Now, one of the main ways that a cult of global disempowerment keeps people fat, sick, poor, and dumb is by controlling thoughts. When you can control the information on anything, then you dictate perceptions and perspectives, period. Most people do not know what to look for or how to detach from information they receive. Once an emotion has been bound to a thought, then we get behavior. Now let me say that again slightly differently. Once an emotion like fear has been bound to a thought, then we get behavior that is potentially problematic. Understood? Yes? Great. Now let's get back to the cognitive dissonance theory. The brain can only conceptualize certain amounts of information all at once, and it tries to make things fit into a box that it creates. This is because the brain is a meaning-making machine, and we assign meanings to experiences based on how we feel. When a person experiences a thought different to his own, the emotions and behaviors of that person will change in order to preserve the identity constructed around that thought. This is why when I tell people that caffeine is poison, they look at me and say, well, I don't think that I will be giving that up anytime soon. The behavior there is a defense mechanism. Subconsciously, they are aware that they are depressed, anxious, and have a shitty life which is why they drink coffee, to numb the reality of living a mediocre life. They also subconsciously know the caffeine has a negative effect on their body at a cellular level, and most people feel it. They just ignore it because the pain of dealing with the thoughts and emotions creating a barrier between them and an empowered life are too much work for them to deal with. The same goes for anything else. Any information whatsoever, people's minds create a wonderful story around that information and it becomes a part of the identity of a person. This is why I say that people are forever trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. They will jam it in there as hard as possible and their minds will go see, it fits, I'm not wrong at all. Often you will hear me speak about a self-justification index, which is like a shitty Rolodex of excuses as to why we can't think, feel, or act differently in relation to some event in the external world. It's all the reasons why we can't do something differently. It's all the reasons why we are right and someone else is wrong. It's all the reasons to get vaccinated or keep smoking weed or drinking alcohol or caffeine. It's all the reasons why we choose a sexual preference different to our biological and anatomical makeup. 
I have found in my sessions that anytime you question any of the aforementioned things, a client will begin averting their gaze to everywhere except my direction. They will also begin to chuckle and force a smile while their brows furrow in confusion, and they will begin dancing around in their chair like they have a bad ass itch. It does not matter what the belief is, people will react to having their beliefs questioned, and when something is not serving someone, they always go through the previously described stages of the ass itch dance. If I'm really having a great day at the office, I will be faced with anger and insults because of course, their beliefs are the gospel, and anyone with the beliefs that are not their own will react in this way. Christians do this as well. They are fed a concept of who or what God is and never let go of it. Then they go around righteously trying to convince everyone that they have got it right and that everyone else is wrong. And if you don't convert yourself to their belief systems, that you are a sinner or otherwise not enough somehow. And wah, 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 my pussy hurts. It is some of the saddest shit that exists because these people, Christian conspiracy theorists as well, are all convinced that the way they think, feel and behave is right, and they are simply unable to see that they are a part of a cult and in fact not sovereign in their choices. It's as plain and simple as this. Someone who is living in absolute truth and communion with their divine spark can see through the lies and will be calm and confident and will also be curious about new ideas without needing to lash out or prove someone else wrong. Before I move on, let me wrap up the story of cognitive dissonance for you. Leon Festinger infiltrated a charismatic group from Wisconsin whose leader claimed to be channeling extraterrestrials. The members of the cult all gave away their possessions, money, homes, and followed instructions to meet at a particular place at a particular time to be taken away by flying saucers as the world was to be destroyed in a series of catastrophic events. The whole night passed, no contact, and in the morning, still nothing. Only a few people saw through it and became frustrated. The rest experienced a deepening of conviction in their belief in the cult. The female cult leader told them all that the aliens had decided to spare the earth from destruction this time, and the members became even more committed to the group. They even printed out flyers and began handing them out the next day in order to recruit more members. The explanation for this is the same as before. A person's brain is obsessed with preserving meanings. A person has a deep-seated need to preserve their identity, self-image, values and way of thinking at all costs and once a person is invested in an idea a person a group a substance you name it they have to preserve it by an automatic function in the brain humans are highly programmable if a change happens in any of the three areas thought emotion or behavior a person will try to override those things with an existing belief and pass everything through the filter of that belief in order to maintain their position. 
Cults purposely use cognitive dissonance in order to exploit people for their own personal gain because they understand psychology and behavior better than anyone else. Mind control can be split into four basic categories, behavior modification, thought control, emotional control, and information control. Basically, behavior modification is about using a person's everyday behaviors to control their perceptions of reality. This is done by hacking the environment, where the subject lives, sleeps, what the subject eats, does for work, daily rituals, and everything else that the subject does. This is what the global cult of disempowerment does. They dictate perceptions of reality based on the rules they want to enforce. Every single day for most is like being a hamster on a wheel. Ritualistic slavery where all of the events of daily life are dictated by daddy government. In any cult, members have restricted activities which limits their free time and therefore their ability to change their thoughts or behavior. When you are kept busy, it is hard to think about anything different because you need to concentrate on your tasks. Just like humans constantly suck on the titties of government, anyone in a cult finds themselves having to ask for permission to do certain things. Financial dependence is the main control mechanism or paycheck mind control. Behavior modification often relies on groupthink and it requires that everyone who is a part of the group must behave in exactly the same way. We call this socially acceptable behaviors in real life. But are they really acceptable or are we just instructed to think so? Inside of a cult, people are forced to eat, sleep, and work together, and individualism is frowned upon. The same is true for regular society and the majority of people are unable to individuate. They cannot free their thinking to be apart from a group. Cult leaders understand one thing. When you can influence the behavior of people, their hearts and minds will follow those patterns of behavior and they will become that. Thought control immediately conjures up a memory of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. However, it's a serious thing as every single one of us is subjected to an onslaught of thought control daily. Most people commonly referred to as sheep are subjected to thought control from everything from billboards to newspaper headlines to social media and the TV and music they love. Most people are thinking other people's thoughts and are convinced that those thoughts are actually their own. When is the last time you had an original thought? In a cult setting, thought-stopping techniques are often taught to ensure that the person has a false sense of control over their thinking patterns. In any cult, let's take the church for a good example. Their ideology is seen as the truth. Their God is the one true God and their truth is the absolute truth. And anyone who deviates from that is automatically a sinner and must repent because they are not good enough somehow. In any cult, the prescribed doctrine is really all about regulating freedom of thought. Everything you think after taking on this doctrine, passes through a filter and colors your perception of the world and other people. In any cult, there is a division tactic employed, black and white thinking, us versus them mentality.
The totalitarian nature of the whole thing often claims that the leader's authority is unquestionable and oftentimes, as we have seen especially in recent times, following the science is the way to go. This is put into place so that the cult members never have to think for themselves. All answers are available by reading a certain book, consulting the wisdom of the leaders of the group, or by following what science allegedly says. The subconscious mind uses language and symbols to communicate to you, and that is why people seem to be so easily controlled by loaded language. All cults have their own linguistic control mechanisms, and they seem to have their own vocabulary, or rather, vernacular. This way of communicating also serves to ensure that a member will never question authority and puts a barrier between those who are not a part of the cult. This gives the members a false sense of specialness, as they get to feel as though they are different from others. The main thing that loading of the language does is it forces new members to simply believe in the doctrine of the group, as they automatically think this will lead to understanding, and therefore being a good member of the group. It teaches people how not to think. Haven't you ever noticed how the cult of the news media can say anything to their avid fans and they will bypass trying to understand and go right into believing what is said? Anyone who buys into a cult mentality will learn to disregard any information which is critical of their cult. They will build their identity around the cult membership and therefore shun any criticism automatically and even fight to the death to prove that their way is the truth and everyone else is wrong. These people's defense mechanisms automatically go into place, creating a barrier between them and understanding any other way of thinking. Cult members are systematically trained to reject any other doctrine and to be loyal to the group at all times. Haven't you ever heard a Christian say things like, that's the devil corrupting your thoughts? Or maybe it's the average person saying, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Because of this defense mechanism, a person will automatically strengthen their belief in the groupthink because they want to confirm that the cult's viewpoints are correct. Cults teach techniques for controlling thoughts so that whenever a person experiences what they label a bad thought, they have a particular way of centering the mind and pushing away anything that threatens their reality. We see plenty of examples of this in like the speaking in tongues of certain religious cults, singing hymns and prayers. We see in the New Age examples of this like the Ho'oponopono prayer, which is allegedly supposed to change situations in their favor by apologizing frantically inside of your head. It's claimed to shift situations into your favor, delete negativity, and even heal people and places. We often see cults using chanting, mantras, and meditation to stop negativity and center the mind. What this really means is they want to get you to stop assessing the situation from any other angle and redirect your focus back to the cult beliefs. As a meditation teacher of nine years, I know the difference between a healthy application of meditation and cult-like applications. It is scary what people think meditation actually is. This is the reason that I have been saying to you that cults do not even need to see you in person to control your mind.
Many people have become a part of the new age just through social media because they are experiencing challenges that they would rather not do the work to deal with, and so they love the slavery that goes along with it. Thought-stopping techniques are massively appealing because most people cannot handle being alone with their thoughts for a second. Most people would hang themselves after about five minutes if they had to be honest about the content of their minds. The cult of psychotherapy loves thought-stopping techniques because if a person is only able to think positive thoughts and then they teach you what those positive thoughts look like, sound, and feel like, then a person will stay loyal to the group and they will blame themselves for any feelings counter to those thoughts they have been told they should have. And they will work harder to be quote unquote better according to the cult's way of thinking and acting. Many people really do love their own enslavement and mistake this form of controlling thoughts, feelings and behavior for growth. And so they never actually have to change themselves. I hope by now you are picking up on the themes present in society at this very moment and you are able to see the correlation between the things we think are normal that are simply big nipples being forcefully shoved into our mouths by big daddy government or big pharma or religion or whatever personal development guru is the hottest at the moment saying hey suck on this it'll make you happy. Having said that, let me get into emotional control. I also hope that by now you are understanding the fundamental point. We have thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And if you change one of those things, the other two will change. Emotional control is about manipulation through values and feelings, fears, as well as our points of shame and guilt. Fear, guilt, shame are lovely tools and highly effective for inducing a state of acceptance of rules and concepts and they are perfect for getting people to conform. We see various types of guilt employed in society, like Black Lives Matter, non-acceptance of the cult of LGBTQ, which is really a conversion racket. They convince people of a fake identity so that they can be exploited later on via dehumanization, desexualizing, and depopulation. We also see guilt, shame, and fear being used to convince people that politicians care about their well-being. Constantly manipulating people's emotions via the us versus them paradigm. That is, this political ideology is better than the other one and you must isolate everyone who does not agree with you. Guilt is also used in the new age to induce feelings of helplessness, hopelessness and purposelessness to get them to buy in because they feel as though they are not living up to their potential somehow. I cannot even tell you how many people come to me for coaching and they feel like they lack purpose because they had their eyeballs on what everyone else is doing and they simply cannot appreciate their own default circumstances which are indeed full of love success and joy or worse they saw it on a meme on instagram saying they should have a definite purpose in life or they won't be good enough guilt and fear also sounds like take this injection for this imaginary illness to protect your loved ones after all you wouldn't want the invisible measuring tape virus to break that six foot barrier and slap grandma in the titties killing her instantly you may recognize this other classic, Satan will take you to hell and you will burn in the fires of eternal damnation. Thank you, cult of Christianity, 
because everyday experiences like dog and cat farts and having to work to get pieces of paper that inherently have no value whatsoever was totally not hellish at all. Let's not forget about the government's gonna take our guns away. In traditional cults, they use threats like everyone who is not of our belief system is out to get you and take away your freedom. They might even torture you or kill you or worse. Aliens or the destruction of the planet via a nuclear holocaust may very well happen if you don't buck up and follow orders. What I'm saying here is that guilt, shame, and fear are the main tools used to manipulate everyone from any group and the people who buy into this garbage are so conditioned to believe these lies and to turn their blame inwards that they will happily comply and take abuse from all angles. What I am also saying is that every attempt is being made to tell you how to feel about yourself, other people, and the world at large. Happiness is a big control mechanism because everybody wants it and hardly anyone is willing to look for it inside of themselves. Religious cults exploit this by saying that happiness can only be achieved by getting close to God, except God is portrayed as vengeful, which tells people subconsciously that the way to be happy is to remain unhappy and serve God or the system. This is where a lot of the beliefs that people have about needing to suffer in order to move forward comes from. It also simply says that happiness can only come via a period of suffering and then you will reach closeness with a divine entity. It's all about control. We see throughout society the concept that if you just follow orders, keep your head down, don't ask questions and work hard, you will achieve happiness via a lot of money. So happiness and status are linked together. We see this in hustle culture. In the new age, people are controlled by being told that negative thoughts and feelings will lower their vibration and therefore they won't get what they want and they won't be happy. So people actually believe that lie and go on to be incredibly uncomfortable and unhappy within themselves because without negative thoughts, they are never able to question circumstance and make appropriate positive actions towards a brighter, more empowering circumstance. In politics, we are told it's not good to question the leader or criticize what's being done and you should be happy with the trash bag full of more empty trash bags that they hand to you. I witness this a lot here where I live as we have a so-called leader who is a female with the voice of an angry man who teeters between two extremes, my friends I love you or criticism and insults of people's intelligence. This bitch likes to shout and stomp around a lot, which usually sounds like a very big dog barking, and people actually fall for this. And so what this tactic does is it creates a feeling of dependency and helplessness in people, keeping them more enslaved to authoritarian rule. Meanwhile, if you are a free thinker like me, you know a big aggressive dog really just needs a smack across the head with a rolled up newspaper to calm the fuck down. Sit boo boo, sit! In traditional cults like Harry fucking Krishna, the Unification Church, or Jehovah's Witnesses for example, because if you can't tell that these are my favorites to rag on yet, I can't help you. Fear is used to indoctrinate people into thinking they will be ostracized from the group if they question anything or try to leave. In many other cults they are told they will be killed, 
or end up homeless and drug dependent without the leadership of the cult. And this actually serves to create a bond between the cult leaders and the members so that they stay in place. Once again, if you can tinker with a person's emotions, their thoughts and behaviors will follow suit and they will never question it. Information control is pretty interesting. We need information in order to operate in the world and make daily choices. The cult of global disempowerment knows this and everything we are taught at school is a lie because education systems are cults. If you restrict access to the information a person needs to make proper decisions, then that person will be unable to thrive and live an empowered life. In traditional charismatic groups, anything that does not go along with the cult's doctrine is restricted and members are kept busy so that they never have the time to investigate anything. Whenever they are exposed to anything, it is usually propaganda made up by the cult. The same is true for those who believe everything the TV, newspapers, social media, radio and magazines tell them. The information on those platforms is all regulated and censored to make sure that people stay under mind control. And just as cult members are instructed to stay away from ex-cult members and critics to keep them locked into a belief system, we are seeing a large attack in present day against conspiracy theorists. Information is controlled in a way that people are only told enough to get by and operate within the confines of the cult. We see this at all levels in society regardless of what the format of the cult really looks like. Let's talk a bit more about mind control and brainwashing and some of the ways it's done. The first step is to separate people from everything they know. This causes them to go into an emotional state which immediately makes them susceptible to accepting new commands and concepts. As the subject or subjects takes in the new information, they are given a reward for regurgitating the narrative, for expressing thoughts and ideas that go hand in hand with the new ideas or programming. The reward is what is used to reinforce brainwashing. I often say that behind every behavior, there is a reward. So let me reiterate that one of the main components to successful brainwashing is that the subject has to be in isolation. Because when you are around groups of people who express different views, then you are likely to begin to think for yourself. Once a person is isolated, they begin to break down. Most people do not know themselves and are not comfortable enough to take a look inside when they are alone and so that makes it easy. They rely on external input and commands from perceived authority figures. This is why it has historically been so easy to brainwash large groups of people. Once their concept of self begins to break down, then they are told that everything they know is false and they are often told that everything they have been doing is wrong. This process usually lasts months and the subject begins to embody shame, guilt, and fear. So now they need a solution for this new emotional state and they are more than willing to go along with the next step. Someone has to come along and give them a new identity and belief system and they are trained to believe that the new choices are their own. Brainwashing usually takes months to years. Step 1. 
break down the self. You have to break the identity of the person which causes them to be open to a new identity. First, you attack the person's existing sense of self or ego and their core beliefs. You have to make them think that everything they know already is false. This is usually done by presenting information which denies everything that the subject stands for and believes. This goes on for days and months at a time, until finally the subject becomes exhausted, confused, and so disoriented that they just give in. When they reach these states of mind, then they begin to accept the new belief and identity. Step 2. Guilt and Shame after breaking down the identity, then tools like guilt, shaming are used and the subject is convinced that they are bad. They are attacked for everything no matter how big or small. Once a person has reached a point of shame, they are likely to go along with whatever solution is suggested. Step 3. Self-betrayal the state of mind created by the guilt and shame is used to keep the person under the threat of physical harm or some other immediate danger, and the subject is forced to give up their old identity completely. We even see this where people take on a new belief system and they are urged using a hypnotic command like, walk away from everything that no longer serves you. That is one that is commonly found in meme culture, specifically in the motivation or success or mindset or personal development or spiritual or new age community. They are trying to convince you that whoever does not operate with your new beliefs is bad and they must be discarded. This includes close friends and family. Step 4 is to create a breaking point. By this time, the subject is now questioning who am I, where am I, what should I do, and they are faced with an identity crisis which is fueled by a deep sense of shame and guilt and is usually heading to some type of emotional release or mental breakdown. At this point, you can do whatever you want to the subject because they are commonly in so much fear, anxiety, depression, frustration, shame and guilt that they are only looking for a solution. Step 5 is to offer a solution. The one doing the brainwashing will offer to save or solve by telling the victim that they have to turn away from their values, beliefs, or self-concept by fully embracing new ones which are handed to them on a plate. They are told that everything will be alright if they just follow the protocol and walk the new path. I can help you if you just walk away from your friends, family, and belief systems. You can trust me. The one doing the brainwashing changes their position and asks questions to open the person up and presents suggestions that you can trust me. I am only here to help. After gaining this trust, the subject is convinced that they can help themselves and they are presented with alleged facts which compares their old way of being with the new set of beliefs and they are convinced even further and actually begin to see how the new identity will free them. During this phase, the controller gets the victim to admit that the ways they acted before were wrong in contrast to the new beliefs and the victim will even act kindly, express love and gratitude towards the controller.
Following this stage, the person is guided through controlled reflection and they begin to feel some sense of relief because their problem has been solved and due to the pain of the initial brainwashing process, they will shut out the guilt, fear and emotional agony they felt because they associate the way that they were before with all of the problems in their life and gratefully accept the new identity and belief system. They will believe that they understand now that they are not a bad person. It is everyone and everything else who is bad. The subject is embedded with the concept that they can escape being bad by avoiding the old belief system and fully embracing the new ones. All they have to do is swear that they will never act the way they did before and the guilt is released. Step 6. The New Self The person has been taken through such an emotional upheaval that they are now ready to wear a new label, a new identity, and a new set of beliefs. The subject is convinced that they have a choice and have in fact been choosing this whole time what is good and what is right. At this phase, the abuse is stopped and something which provides mental ease and physical comfort is offered. This aligns the old beliefs with the pain and suffering and positions the new beliefs as being equal to comfort, happiness, and relief from suffering. This stage is set up so that the subject is in the illusion of free will and free thought and freedom to choose, even though it is not up to them. In any case, by this point, the subject is likely to carry out anything in alignment with the new beliefs and will fight to the death to defend these new beliefs even if it hurts them or their children or anyone else dear to them because the new identity is safe and highly desirable and the old identity is equated to pain. Once this feeling of salvation is acquired, the person associates their new identity and beliefs with freedom and they are taken to another phase of pledging their allegiance to this new identity and belief construct and they are made to agree that this is going to work to make their lives a whole lot better. Quite often during this phase, there are rituals or ceremonies carried out. This instills a sense of community and joy having completed the conditioning or training. I have probably said it a hundred times since you have been checking this out, but I strongly suggest that you stop consuming media. The reason is that there are two basic types of commands embedded in movies, the news, some music, etc. One is called an interspersal metaphor and the other is an isomorphic. Interspersal is where commands are hidden in a story so that the triggers are planted in a way that are only detected and accepted by the subconscious mind. The isomorphic usually has some kind of moral or hook or catchy phrase attached to it, which helps to solidify the story to the person's conscious and subconscious mind. It's a kind of agreement. The subconscious mind then connects the triggers in those stories to whatever is in the environment which matches up to that and fires off a program, some reaction, response, or a set of behavior. 
As it is, all of the things which we commonly refer to as a trigger are all as a result of perceptions we have been programmed with. Oftentimes, the subconscious can be thought of as a perception database. The purpose of using stories is to distract and disengage the conscious mind. These stories all contain indirect suggestions that are hidden within the body of the story, which are accepted by the subconscious mind of the subject. There are also instructions which bind to the memory of the subject and are based on past learnings so that the subject can perform certain actions in the present. The media houses in Hollywood don't care about you. They are not making films to entertain you or inform you. They design these stories to entrain you and keep you in formation. The false sense of joy or knowledge that you get from consuming this information will bury you because you are allowing yourself to be manipulated at a subconscious level to live the life these entities want you to live, and not what is actually best for you or the growth and development of all humankind in the highest and best way. If you think music, movies, the news, porn, etc. are serving you, then you are the slave in your story and not the master of your destiny. You are consenting to be shackled by destructive subconscious programming. Forms of mind control are being projected onto us at all times. These mind control techniques are always coming from people and sources that we know well, like and trust. Three main types of mind control used on us each day are persuasion, manipulation, and deception. Let's talk about mind control via hypnosis. According to the American Psychological Association, hypnosis is a cooperative interaction where the hypnotist will provide suggestions that the participant will respond to. When asked, most people think of a stage hypnotist and then there is hypnotherapy, which can be helpful for plenty of mental and physical problems. Hypnosis from mind control is usually centered around implanting suggestions that are harmful or change the way the subject behaves in their surroundings. Now I have already said this, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, and whether it is a hypnotherapist or a stage hypnosis, the person willingly enters a state of trance. The purpose of the hypnotist is to guide the person into an altered state of consciousness so that they are more open to suggestions. When your eyes are focused on the screen of your phone, TV, computer, an altered state of consciousness is induced, which makes you susceptible to hypnotic implants. You are literally giving consent to being programmed with ideas that will cause you to live out other people's instructions in your life and therefore create mediocre results. Are you seriously okay with that? Psychological manipulation is a way of influencing a person or group to change behavior or perceptions of something or other people. This is usually done by abuse, deception, or distraction. The purpose of this is to support the interests and goals of the one doing the manipulating. This kind of manipulation usually happens between a person and a group or person they have rapport with, and it is difficult to detect this form of mind control. People who psychologically manipulate people are very good at engineering situations where no matter what happens, they will not get into trouble for their actions and the subject takes the blame, 
gets hurt and other people who try to point it out are also victimized, shunned, or accosted. The one doing the manipulating does not have any regard for the subject and will be able to walk away without remorse at any time while the subject will likely suffer physical or emotional pain. What is manipulation? This is when a person is using influence to change a behavior or a perception through undermining, underhanded, deceptive, or abusive means. The goal of the manipulation is to establish a stronghold in your mind so that the manipulator is able to use you as a tool to achieve their own interests. Psychological or emotional manipulation is done through persuasion, bullying, or brainwashing. Manipulation is always a tool to control behavior. Not everything that is abuse looks like abuse on the surface, and that is one of the many loopholes that manipulators have on their side. In mass manipulation, the manipulator or controller will use mind control, brainwashing or bullying, and other forms of narcissistic behavior like gaslighting to get others to execute their manipulative agenda for them. The subject being manipulated will end up performing a task against their will or better judgment and be made to feel as though they have no other option because of blackmail, bullying, brainwashing, guilting, shaming, gaslighting, or some other form of abuse. It is important to note that most people who manipulate lack empathy and the ability to care about anything other than themselves, and they are therefore unable to see any problems with their behaviors. Manipulators do things to get their way, and they are never bothered with who gets hurt by their agendas. Manipulators in the everyday can be recognized as those who are unable to enter a healthy relationship because they do not think that they will be accepted. There are people who simply have manipulative personalities and not all of them are narcissists. People who possess manipulative personalities more often than not lack the ability to take responsibility for their behaviors, life challenges, or anything else for that matter. This is a big part of their reason for manipulation, to get other people to take over responsibility for them. Manipulative people naturally know how to use forms of mind control to get what they want from others. Emotional blackmail is when guilt or sympathy is used to subtract energy from someone a manipulator has set in their crosshairs. Guilt and sympathy are two of the strongest biological responses that humans have which can cause a person or a group to act on behalf of a manipulator. In order to convince you to do their bidding, the story used to evoke emotions in you is often magnified extremely out of proportion. This tricks you into thinking that you are using your free will to help by doing whatever action the manipulator wants. Blackmail in general involves threats verbally, physically, and coercion to get you to do what the manipulator wants you to do. A lot of times, this involves the exchange of money or possessions to keep the subject in a position of disempowerment. Manipulators also achieve this by getting you to tell your deepest secrets or they will ruin your reputation in some way. Crazy making is essentially manipulation via another person's doubts and insecurities. Passive aggressive behavior is one way of creating a crazy making scenario. 
verbal and nonverbal cues along with body language which contradicts their behaviors and words are often used to create confusion. Manipulative people love crazy making via chastising or invalidating particular behaviors displayed or personal experiences. They will deny your experience while similarly personally applauding or executing that very same behavior. If you try to call out a manipulator on anything, they use tactics like confusion, denial, self-justification, and refuting of any poor intentions in order to escape the blame. Psychological manipulators hardly consider the needs of anyone around them and are able to perform their agendas fluidly without any consideration for others, which makes it difficult to explain to a manipulator why their behavior is wrong and must stop. Manipulators are skilled at disguising their aggressive behaviors and poor intentions. If a manipulator was to reveal their intentions up front, then chances are that no one would stick around long enough to be manipulated, and this is what makes them very skilled at hiding their true faces. At the beginning of a manipulative relationship, it is very hard to detect because the person is very sweet, charming, and willing to help you and be your friend. This is how they persuade you into their trap. Manipulators are masters at determining the weaknesses of their subjects, and they are good at observing people and interacting with others so that they can find a way in. They are also very ruthless in the pursuit of what they want and they will lash out whenever anyone questions their intentions or behaviors. They are not averse to inflicting emotional and physical harm when questioned. Remember, they lack the capacity to care at all about the subject and if they really knew how to care, they would not be doing what they were doing in the first place and so they will be relentless until their final goal is achieved. The success behind manipulation is largely because of their smooth ways of captivating you at the beginning. Therefore, you do not become aware of manipulation until they have their teeth sunken into your back. Now let's talk about tactics for control. Let's start with positive and negative reinforcement. The manipulator will often use forced or fake laughter, grand gestures of acknowledgement in public. They will give you loads of their attention, gifts, money, excessive apologizing, fake sympathy, crocodile tears, and praise in order to get a foot in the door of your mind. This gives the subject a reason to allow the manipulator to advance towards them. The more positive rewards you can give to the subject, the easier it is for the subject to accept the manipulator. Sympathy is a big tool used here because once you make a person feel sorry for you, there is a bond that is formed and it is likely that the sympathizer will be guilted into helping you out later on. In negative reinforcement, the manipulator will offer to remove something negative or remove the subject from a negative event in exchange for a reward for doing something else. If you take the, then you will be able to go out with your friends to eat at a restaurant. Fuck it, let me just say the whole thing. If you take the vaccine, then you will be able to go out with your friends to eat at a restaurant. Is that better? Positive and negative reinforcement are often used in combination with each other to nudge the subject into a particular destination. Remember, manipulators learn your insecurities and use them against you in subtle ways. 
Now, this tactic of positive and negative reinforcement can be seen in relationships with people. Parents do it to their kids, narcissists do it, but oftentimes people who are non-narcissistic also use this as a way of trying to orchestrate, I guess you could say, their love for you and your love for them. Let's talk about partial or intermittent reinforcement. This is used to create doubt and fear in the mind of a subject. A great example of this is playing the lottery. You are inevitably going to spend more money on tickets than you will ever win. The prospect of winning, or sometimes a small win after a period of time, will keep the subject locked into the game. The manipulator will use incentives, prizes, and positive reinforcement in intervals in order to keep the subject returning for more manipulation. In punishment and trauma-based learning, emotional blackmail, guilt trips, outbursts of crying, sulking, cursing, threatening, violent outbursts, and intimidation, maybe it's the silent treatment and nagging are all tools used of punishment. The purpose is to cause a person to feel as though they are doing something wrong so that they will feel guilty and execute the desired behavior of the manipulator. Trauma-based learning occurs when the manipulator has a violent outburst or breaks down in tears for seemingly no reason at all in order to condition the subject to understand that it is not a good idea to contradict, upset, question, or correct the manipulator. This allows the manipulator to slowly gain an upper hand over you. Manipulators lie. These people are always amazing at lying to you. It is hard to know when a manipulator is being truthful or telling a lie. Usually when you figure out that you have been lied to, it is too late. Often the lie is going to get their agenda fulfilled much better than the truth ever would. This includes lying by omission. This is a subtle form of manipulating the truth for deceitful means, by simply not revealing important information. This is sometimes propaganda, and sometimes the manipulator needs to borrow 20 bucks for groceries. Groceries in this instance is drugs because they know that you would not give them money for drugs and you are likely to do so for food. We see plenty of examples like this in the public eye. They are not hidden at all. It is whether you have proper discernment to tell the difference. These kinds of lies make it extremely hard to tell what the truth is and what the lie is because it is done so often. Manipulators don't feel sorry for lying. They only feel sorry when they do not get what they want, and they will try again. Denial. Manipulators will never admit that they have done anything wrong. Even if you have them doing something on video and play it back for them, it wasn't me. They will blame you for it. Rationalization. Manipulators love to do this. They will make up some story or excuse that paints them as the good guy or that they did whatever it is they did in your best interest. We live in the age of spin, where media houses and sometimes the average person are capable of doing or saying something and then they tell you this is for the greater good, to help you among other things. Hell, we might even be able to build back better. Minimizing. 
This is when a mental assault is executed by combining the techniques of rationalization and denial. The manipulator loves to do this and spin the story around on the victim of manipulation. Narcissists are famous for this and yet, not only narcissists do this. In this case, a manipulator will tell everyone about how they did not execute the behavior that they did and make it sound like they did nothing at all. They will deny accountability for their behavior and sometimes say that it was in fact the subject who did the thing. The reason I say not only narcissists do this is because sometimes the average person can be very manipulative due to learned behaviors from society. Have you ever had someone insult you via a joke and then the person said not to take it seriously? Hey man, don't take everything so personally. Some people are very idiotic in this way. Many manipulators use humor to hide insults. This is because the insult is likely not to be registered as an attack and the subject will be conditioned to think they are somehow less than they are. This keeps them open to manipulation and cooperation with the agenda. Diversion or Evasion Manipulators are very good at talking around an issue. They are fantastically skilled at avoiding answering questions directly. Whenever you ask a question which requires the truth, the manipulator will redirect focus to something else because they do not like the question. They will often give an empty answer before changing the topic. Sounds a lot like politicians, right? Sometimes they will ramble, use words or phrases unrelated to the topic at hand, and it leaves you still with the same questions, plus even more at the end of the irrelevant response. Intimidation this can be done by subtle threats or guilt trips or shaming. For example, you are selfish, too sensitive, you don't care about me, us, society, etc. This is so that the victim feels bad and goes along with the manipulation and stays submissive, doubtful, afraid, and in a state of anxiety. Sometimes shaming is used to make the victim feel sympathy or a false sense of compassion for the manipulator. Sometimes shaming is used to instill fear and can involve sarcasm, snide remarks, rude and angry comments, vicious looks. Oftentimes when anger is used, it is just to shock you back into a corner so that you remain usable. Victimhood. Plenty of manipulators love to play the victim. No matter what, they are trying to establish control by having sad stories about how they are innocent victims of circumstance or someone else is doing something to them which causes suffering. This is again to instill a false sense of compassion, sympathy, and fake empathy. Most people are good in this sense and do not wish to see someone else suffer, which makes them easy targets for manipulation. The Villain the manipulator will constantly turn everything around on you so that you are the persecutor and causing the problem. It's because of your behavior that this happened. And after placing the blame on you, they will find a way to switch things around so that you are on their side again, making you as easy to use as a sheet of toilet paper. Servitude a lot of manipulative people are into serving others. They use the energy of helping others, trying to make the world a better place, helping people to find their passions, nursing others to good health, creating charities, etc. When they really get a charge out of appearing like a helper and are in fact only interested in what they get from that and not truly interested in doing any good.
Seduction. Manipulators are great at using praise, flattering comments, and offering to help or support to get you to drop your guard, and after time, they will start using you to do their bidding instead. Innocence. When a manipulator has been called out, they love to say that they never meant to cause any trouble or harm. Many times they completely deny any involvement whatsoever. They act surprised and this is all to make you question yourself and your discernment. Before you know it, you will think you were wrong or are crazy. Manipulators love to play dumb or confused as well. They often pretend like they have no idea what you are talking about and seem very confused by what you are saying. Many pretend to be innocent and throw out subtle defense mechanisms like calling you judgmental, hateful, discompassionate, etc. Illusions. We see this one all the time through news agencies, movies, and government. A big picture scenario is created to convince the subject that this is a reality. The manipulator presents evidence which solidifies their point so that the subject will help them work towards their goal. To do this, ideas have to be planted into the mind of the victim first, and once these ideas are implanted, the manipulator has access to the victim's consciousness. Much of this implanting is done via the subconscious mind. This is why manipulation is such an easy form of mind control to execute. When you consume media in any form, you are agreeing to being open to mind control via manipulation and implantation of ideas that are not your own so that you behave in ways that serve a manipulating force. It is important to note that we react in a stimuli versus response based way. So even in manipulative friendships and romantic relationships, illusions are used to create stimuli which a victim responds to in order to advance the agenda of the manipulator. Persuasion. The process where beliefs and attitudes are changed because of an appeal to emotions or habits is known as heuristic persuasion. Persuasion is a form of mind control used in society at all times. For instance, talking to someone about politics is usually a form of persuasion because you are trying to convert the person to your views. The same goes for religion and new age philosophy. This is a more subtle form of mind control, so the majority of people are very unaware that this is even a mind control technique. When people think of persuasion, they often reference commercials, and even though you can ignore a commercial, somehow you still know that Nationwide is on your side. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, and that Jake works for State Farm. Persuasion is very effective for getting large groups of people to change their views and accept something all at once. People are very naive to think that they can catch what is being sold to them at all times. Free will or the freedom to choose is often the phrase implanted somewhere in this type of mind control. Persuasion has been around for a long time. Elements of persuasion include symbols or images, key phrases or slogans, sounds, and even colors. It also includes deliberate attempts at influencing decision-making processes, self-persuasion, i.e. free will or freedom of choice, face-to-face -face conversations, internet, radio or TV, and non-verbal cues. Persuasion also includes some use of force. Force is seductive because it emanates a certain glamour, whether that glamour is manifested in the guise of false patriotism, prestige, or dominance. Conversely, true power is often unglamorous. Dr. David Hawkins, 
Power versus Force. If you've never read Power versus Force, I am going to suggest that at this point you pick up a copy because it's a great read. Force is the technique used when the usual persuasion and propaganda is not as effective as the manipulator would like. This means the narrative has failed to have the desired effect and the manipulator is getting frustrated. Force is a scare tactic in truth because the intention is to stop all logical thought on the part of the victim to comply with the commands of the manipulator. Examples where force is used at the beginning to persuade can be seen in settings like political dictatorship, abusive relationships, however force is usually left as a strategy for later because the subject may feel threatened and refuse to comply and see through the veil. Force is often used when a person says no or can present evidence that contradicts the agenda of the manipulator. Good persuasion requires the subject to have the illusion of the freedom of choice to be most effective. Manipulation via persuasion is often executed by using the tactic of reciprocity, which means that the manipulator will first offer something of value, an item or help so that the victim feels indebted to the manipulator and will want to give in return. The manipulator can convince a subject to do something or behave a certain way because of a sense of obligation, a need to even the score which is dictated by morals and culture. Oftentimes, the manipulator will use this to make a suggestion as to how the person should repay the favor, and many times the subject will accept this suggestion gratefully. That is the trap. It is easy to feel obligated to do something even when it goes against your values or is evil and initially makes you feel uncomfortable. Manipulation and Consistency The one doing the persuading has to be consistent with their lies, propaganda, and very repetitive. This technique builds trust and helps the subject to feel safe. You are told what is going on, what to expect in the future, and how to react if anything changes. This is done consistently in order to control the outcome and keep the masses in lockstep. The repeated facts have to be consistently the same so that suspicion is not aroused. Any deviation from the narrative is likely to cause chaos, and the manipulator is very good at committing to the narrative 100%. The manipulator also has to devise ways of getting the subject to commit to the narrative or outcome, and people tend to value oral and written agreements, and even imaginary agreements they make with their favorite news source, recording artist, or television series. Some manipulators are good at getting a subject to commit to a written agreement, which is then used to blackmail and control. In many instances, the subject will use self-persuasion to remain enslaved to the manipulator and they will justify to themselves and others the reasons why they must commit to what they are doing. Social Pressure In mass manipulation, social pressure is a great aid to the control mechanisms because people are always looking for safety in the herd and will easily conform to what others are doing rather than what they would choose should they take a step back and reflect first. Beliefs and behaviors are executed often due to the subconscious automatic response to conform to the tribe. This is extremely effective whenever there will be uncertainty around the narrative being sold. People are not good at making up their own minds under pressure, especially when there are variables and different options to consider and will once again gravitate towards what the majority are doing. 
This is why politicians will target groups of people at a time rather than trying to reach a person on the individual level. Concepts are adjusted to appeal to people who share common beliefs because they know there is a subconscious safety in the herd. Manipulation and Trust Manipulators are very good at appearing to be personally magnetic, charismatic, and extremely likable. Once someone likes you, they will be likely to trust you. They will do whatever they can to appear physically appealing and claim to share similarities with you. People are likely to see you as kind, intelligent, and talented if you are physically attractive. When you perceive that people have similarities, you are more likely to bond, agree, and accept suggestions, and you are likely not to think about whether it is the right thing to do. Manipulation via authority sounds like this. A manipulator will likely to be successful in persuading a subject if they can position themselves as an authority. Most people have an automatic tendency to like and trust someone who is perceived as an expert on any topic. I talked about this already, but I will go through it again. They will automatically enjoy and absorb whatever is being said, and often a correlation is made between knowledge, authority, and trust. Remember Stanley Milgram? who conducted a series of experiments in the 1960s where two subjects were placed in different rooms. The first was attached to an electric shock machine. The second subject was instructed to give the shock to the first. The person giving the instructions was dressed in a lab coat and looked like the stereotypical scientist. The first subject was asked a series of questions and the second subject was instructed to administer the electric shock every time an answer was incorrect. After each shock, the second subject was told to increase the voltage after each shock until the maximum voltage was achieved, 450 volts. The second subject was unaware that it was a setup and that the first subject was a paid actor who faked the painful reactions to the electric shock. The point of the experiment was to see how well the second subject would respond to the commands of someone perceived to be in authority. The conclusion of this experiment is that most people will inflict pain on others if they are instructed to do so by someone who is perceived to be in authority. Manipulation via scarcity Whenever something has limited availability, you can be manipulated into certain actions. A higher value is always assigned to something that has limits because people have a natural tendency to want what they cannot have. This is done by creating a story about why something is so special and scarce and that it can provide a value that cannot be found elsewhere. You might also be instructed how you are losing an opportunity by not doing or getting that something. When something is easy to get, people don't want it as much as when it is difficult to get. In current times, food scarcity is being used as a way of manipulating people. This is done by implanting the idea that items are scarce and difficult to come by, removing of items from shelves on purpose, destruction of crops, and shipping delays. All in the name of creating scarcity to get people to overbuy, stock up, and also believe that we do not live in an abundant world. The ultimate goal of persuasion is to convince the subject that the argument being presented is valid so that they create a set of beliefs and attitudes around it which they make decisions from. Appealing to Needs 
Many people truly believe that they are entitled to having their needs met by some external source and that life cannot be fulfilling without those things. This is false. One way that manipulators get a stronghold in the minds of many is by creating a need which appeals to the pre-existing need in the victims. This is done by manipulating the person based on their needs for love, appreciation, self-esteem, self-realization, food, and shelter. The easiest to do are food and shelter because we really do need those for survival. Needs like love, self-realization, self-esteem, etc. are internally generated and are not stable when externally focused. However, most people live and die never understanding that concept. Watch any commercial and you will see an appeal to the social needs of the average person to conform to a set of ideals around a product because that will give them a sense of belonging and high esteem. This is where the use of words, symbols, colors, and images come into play. If you use the right combination of these elements, you can persuade anyone to take action. Many things can be worded or represented in different ways and you just need the right combination in order to grab people. When done in isolation, persuasion can be the perfect tool to convince someone that the lifestyle choice that they make is the right one and that they are the ones exercising their freedom to choose when really they are being told what is factual and beneficial for them. Deception, a technique which involves the alteration and acceptance of beliefs and values and ideas in order to accept something that is simply not true. It is not provable. There are not really any facts, and deceptions are often half-truths or full-on lies. Things like sleight of hand, propaganda, concealing of information, camouflaging, which is a favorite of Hollywood and media, distraction, another media favorite, and dissimulation, which is a verb, and it means to disguise or conceal under a false appearance, dissemble, or to dissimulate one's true feelings about a rival, and it can also mean to conceal one's true motives, thoughts, etc. by some pretense, speaking, or acting hypocritically. This involves convincing a subject that one thing is true when the opposite is actually the truth. Deception is easy when a subject is already under mind control. The manipulator has a good hold over the victim's mind and is able to influence their world and beliefs based on the narrative sold to them. With deception, the majority of what is said is false. Because trust can be broken so easily, the manipulator has to have a tremendous amount of skill to remain undetected. In relationships, this creates problems because once a manipulator has been discovered, then the subject often has to resort to the same tactics just to have a truthful exchange with the manipulator, which does not feel good and violates both the values and expectations of the relationship. What has been broken will never return to its original integrity. Once deception is detected, the subject will always question the narrative. And I promise I'll let you go soon because I've been going for two hours now, but let's talk about the types of deception. Deception is based on lies which lead the subject to live in a world created by the manipulator. In this case, information is always presented as a fact and the subject will go on to believe it is the truth without question. Double speak and ambiguity. 
This is information which is ambiguous, contradictory, or indirect, and it will be fed to the subject in order to create confusion and a lack of understanding. The subject is forced to fill the gaps with their own interpretations and fears. This is done so that the manipulator can always turn things around on the subject and blame them for the false information or anything else that does not go according to the manipulator's agenda. Concealing of info is always done in any case of deception, even if there's not an agenda based on flat-out lies, there will be omission of information on purpose in order to manipulate the context and hide certain things with the intention of guiding the subject in a particular direction. The manipulator will do everything in their power to make sure that the subject does not find the right information. Fabrication the story becomes based on gross exaggerations of the truth in order to direct the outcome. It will be blown completely out of proportion in order to make the subject do their bidding. Minimizing. The truth will be minimized and the subjects will be told that what they think is not as bad as they think. A form of crazy making, basically. Because now the subject has to question everything and will be hesitant to challenge the manipulator's version of the truth, keeping the manipulator in a position of power. I think that about covers it. And I hope that you can now walk away with a deep understanding of how cults work, how it is that we are living under a global cult control, and possess full knowledge of the ins and outs of mind control, brainwashing, and subconscious programming. Given the events we are currently experiencing around the world, it is imperative that we each become educated in these topics if we are to truly see positive change. It is time for us to take back our sovereignty and build a world based on love, mutual respect for all life everywhere, and bring the consciousness of the planet up to the highest it has ever been. But we cannot do this if we are involved in cults. We cannot do this if we are being deceived and lied to from every angle. And we cannot do this if we are unaware of the ways that we are being manipulated as a society. I'm Jahan Sator, mindfulness teacher, subconscious self-sabotage coach, and host of the Boundless Authenticity podcast. And my work focuses on removing the disempowering thoughts and beliefs from the subconscious mind, which cause us to create less than favorable emotional consequences and circumstances. If you are interested in working with me to change subconscious programs and beat self-sabotaging behaviors, email me at jahantwsator at gmail.com. And don't forget to join me on Telegram at t.me slash the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at jahantsator. Let me spell that. J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-O. T-T-A-U-R.